0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the ASIAL Security Insider podcast. And this morning we are talking about cash in a pandemic and some of the myths and misconceptions around cash and the use of cash and the future of cash, in fact. Uh, and joining me here on the podcast, I have Jim O'Brien, General Manager Security at Lynn Fox Armaguard Group, and Matt Sykes, General Manager Strategy at Prosecure. Uh, Jim, Matt, welcome to the, the podcast. How are you? Yeah, great. Thanks,
1: John. Good thing,
0: John. Excellent. So, Matt, I'm going to get you to kick this off for us, if you don't mind, because there was a research piece that came out a little while ago that was perhaps a little bit misleading um, in which it talked about the length of time that things like coronavirus could survive on stuff like polymer notes. But that that research was done by the admission of the researchers in very, very controlled conditions to see how long they could almost prolong the life of the virus for on cash. Um, Tell me a little bit about sort of the the research and what you've found as a result of that.
2: Yeah, sure. So look, I'd start by saying the research itself uh, wasn't misguided and the way that the the research was written up by the CSIRO wasn't um, uh, unreasonable by any stretch. I think where there's real challenge is the way that um, a string of media outlets Picked up that research and then reported it, um, and so really, you know, yeah. You know, in typical media fashion, there was there was an element of sensationalization. So there was um, yeah you know, headlines calling out, you know, cash is dirty and COVID remains on banknotes for 28 days and things like that. But exactly as you said, um, the way that research is the research was conducted and the way that so research is typically done is to try and remove as many um, variables as possible so you can look at just the question you're trying to get an answer for. And so obviously the the, the research was done in lab conditions. Uh, they did the test at a fixed humidity of 50% and they ran the test at three different temperatures at 20 degrees, 30 degrees and 40 degrees. Now this 28 days, what that actually represented was what COVID might last for in perfect 20 degree, 50% um, condition, 50% humidity conditions, uh, and that's the time that it takes to get to effectively 100% uh, removal of virus through natural death. Now, what that doesn't point out, for example, is the way that viruses actually die. So if you remember, remember back to your high school biology lessons, um, um, uh, bacteria and viruses have half lives. So what that means is that in, in this research, uh, at 20 degrees, half of it is dead within 48 hours. Uh, 90% is dead within six to seven days. And so those sorts of things are really important to, to understand what it actually means. And then if we think about in Australia, obviously 20 degrees and 50% humidity is really at the low end. That, that might be Tasmania, but that's not going to be across the majority of the country. So at the moment, I'm looking at a 30-degree day and humidity is probably somewhere around 70%. So what's that going to do to the virus on a banknote? Plus the note that's in my wallet, that's in my back pocket, what's that going to do to that temperature? And so the, the, the real conditions that banknotes are under are well um, substandard to those perfectly laboratory conditions. And then I think the final point to call out in terms of the research is what's the practical risk? Uh, So for us in Australia, we've had, I've I've looked at the numbers yesterday, 0.14% of our population has um, contracted the virus. That's across the last eight or nine months. And so when you think about the number of magnets that are in circulation, the number of people that have had the virus or been exposed to the virus, I would say that you've got a much higher chance of winning the lottery than you ever would of handling a COVID-infected backbone. Yep,
0: absolutely. Um, So to give a bit of context and background to all of this, and perhaps I'll bring you in here, Jim. um, You know, one of the things that we're looking at is the ways that coronavirus has changed the security industry and obviously, with concerns around some of the research that Matt was just alluding to uh, with the safety of banknotes and cash and all the rest of it, I imagine, and you will correct me if I'm wrong, that there has been uh, a reduction in the use of cash over the coronavirus pandemic environment, especially during lockdowns here in Melbourne and whatnot. What sort of impact has that had on companies like yours, Lynne Fox Armaguard, and and ProSecure and others like that?
1: Yeah, look, I can't speak for, for the others, but certainly from uh, the limp Armagh perspective, there's been a significant shock to cash usage as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic. And it's clear that the pandemic, you know, will bring forward the natural forecast of declining cash. Um, at this early stage, clearly the long-term impact remains unclear, but structural changes to consumer and retailer behaviour may have a permanently negative effect on cash payments. In armageddon analysis, however, the convenience of newer payment products continues to attract consumers. The simplicity, reliability, and the anonymity of cash, as well as the ability to control the daily budget, really means that cash will continue to play a role, albeit smaller. That's an important retail payment solution. Yeah. Uh, the permanent role for cash is consistent with probably a less cash rather than a cashless forecast that some uh, people have have forecast our analysis suggests that cash usage will start to flatten out probably around 10 percent of retail payments in the long term
0: yep okay i mean cash is still i imagine a very important instrument for a whole range of things there is a a, and again feel free to jump in at any point here either of you but i imagine there's a, a very important demographic group within the community um being elderly people who still budget using cash. They draw out X amount of cash per week and that's how they know what they've got to spend and how they're going to spend it. I imagine it has a big impact on things like charitable donations. I imagine that there are certain areas where cash payments are the only way of being able to do things, whether it be uh, garage sales and all the rest of it. So the, the question of are we going to see an end to cash Perhaps give me a bit of insight there because I don't imagine that's going to happen anytime soon. Matt, your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I, I, th-
2: I think you're right. And I think yeah,
0: one of the things that's really come out through this whole
2: COVID period has been the need to protect the vulnerable. and So we've been very conscious of how we protect the elderly and those who have you know, chronic illness and, and so forth. Um, what we need to be thinking about as well, so if you look at, for example, you know, we talk about, um, you know, we would typically say that there's no financial exclusion in Australia. Um, But if you look at Roy Morgan research that was done um, a few years ago now, that they they estimated some 17% of the population is either severely or fully financially excluded. And so what that means is that portion of the population is 100% reliant on cash because they have no other way to pay. Um, And so certainly thinking about the way that um, the vulnerable, and, and, and those that are financially excluded, that's typically leaning towards those that are vulnerable. So, as you say, the elderly, um, those in low socioeconomic groups or unemployed, uh, public housing is a risk factor. Um, and, and there's a few other risk factors that you can call out from research. And, and all of those things mean that we need to be thinking about, you know, I think there's two pieces here. And, and did point to, 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 to the choice piece the other is the protecting the vulnerable piece. And I think we need to be thinking about both of those. Um, if, if you think about, for example, you know, go back to the bushfires at the start of the year. Um, yeah, I was talking to, to, to a friend of mine um, just last week. He was down at, at, at Durris, uh down on the south coast of New South Wales. And, and literally, they had to have cash because nobody had any connectivity, uh, either wireless or, um, or um, NBN or, 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 or broadband, so they have to use cash to buy petrol to get out of there. Um, and so, thinking about cash um, you know, as a means of payment that is reliable no matter what is a really important thing from a government policy perspective, perspective to be thinking about in the future. Yep.
1: And I echo those sentiments exactly. You know, like if you look at the Reserve Bank Consumer Payment Survey in 2019, cash is used. 27% of consumer payments. Um, yep. In addition, they found that 15% of respondents use cash for 80% of their in-person payments in nineteen. So it demonstrates that cash is still how we pay for our high frequency and lower value transactions of the kind we do in supermarkets, convenience stores, fast food, variety stores. Um, and we know that older shoppers prefer to pay this way. Well. people over 65 making up half of their payments in cash. Uh, so,
2: absolutely. You know, uh, uh, just uh, the, the other thing to think about here you know we're talking about consumers and, and and that side of things but the other is is small businesses and so you know I've certainly you know I've gone to the office a couple of days a week now the cafe downstairs I make a point of paying cash when I you know, when I when I um, get my coffee or get my lunch every time they say thank you because they're happy to Get cash instead of using using their merchant facility because it costs them so much money to, mm. to accept card payments. And so, thinking about small businesses, which we need to be supporting at the moment, uh, uh, even more so than usual, uh, is such an important part of the way that we act as a community.
0: Yeah, and I'm yeah. sure we've uh, I'm sure we've all experienced those awkward moments when you've been somewhere like you know, the local pizza shop in a tourist town or whatever it may be, and for whatever reason there's been an issue and the uh, the local phone lines have gone down and they're like, sorry, we don't have Boss And we're all standing there staring at each other going, okay, what do we do now? Uh, you know, cash is still highly important.
1: And I think also there's a, probably a bit of a misconception by the consumer that the digital transaction is free, but in fact it's not. You know, it comes at a cost, and many businesses pass that on to their shoppers. Yeah. Many retailers that don't pass on the food won't accept car payments for amounts less than $10 for that reason. Yeah. So cash is the only option.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: fact, 45% of payments of $10 or less are still made with cash.
0: Yeah. Okay. You know, So I imagine that the logistics of how cash management and cash in transport has been conducted have been changed quite a bit during the coronavirus pandemic. I mean, with things like lockdowns, the closing of non-essential trade in some states, social distancing and all the rest of it. Jim, maybe, can you you tell me a little bit about how the pandemic has impacted your operations and how it's had to change the way that you operate? Uh, Look, you
1: know, we wouldn't say change the way we operate. I mean, we've you know, very quickly embraced the need for a plan around how we would look after our own staff and also those of our customers around the pandemic and ensuring, you know, the use of face masks and hand sanitizer and washing of hands, etc. Um, yes, um, it, it's certainly slowed down because retail, you know, has been closed and particularly in pubs, clubs, that type of thing, you know, where social interaction has been stopped. Um, so that has impacted the business, but by and large, and apart from a couple of issues that we've had and immediately recognised we took immediate action in relation to um, and with, for which we're being congratulated by the health department in relation to, um, it hasn't had a great impact on us.
0: Right. Um, so from the point of view of, you know, having to come up with perhaps newer and more innovative contactless solutions and things like that for collecting cash, that hasn't really changed at all for, for you either, Matt?
2: Yeah, look in terms of the, the the ground operations that we run I don't think it's had a, a significant impact I'm, I'm, on you know, we've, we've certainly had a similar experience to uh, to what Jim's described in terms of you know being you know, COVID aware and co safe in terms of operations um, I think look yeah there's probably going to be um, a shift in terms of, of um, business expectations in terms of how they go about handling cash and, and that might change the market for the same in the future to um, uh, um, but the most, I think probably the bigger impact that we need to be aware of, and this goes back to the, the how do we make sure the cash is um, able to be accessed and able to be used in the long term? Is you know, uh, yeah, both ourselves and and that in the same boat? We're you know, running a CIT operation. It's a, it's a big infrastructure, mm. and it, and it's got a lot of fixed costs there. And so one of the really important points is ensuring that there's enough cash. Um, Circulating, you know, going in and out um, to, to 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 keep that cost down. So um, I think that's probably you know looking into the medium term. That's probably where the biggest challenge is, and and looking for um, uh, support for cash and promotion of cash. Yeah, I think the industry can work just fine as it is, as uh, so long as there's enough activity there, and it's it's ensuring that there's enough activity that we'd be keen to see um, you know, assistance in terms of supporting cash from government and from others
0: uh, into the future. Yeah, and I guess it's that piece around sort of getting retailers and other groups who handle cash or had been handling cash on a daily basis to understand the realities of what that looks like, because I know from my own experience towards the beginning of, uh, of the coronavirus pandemic here in Melbourne when you went into a retail store, whether it be a bakery or whatever it may be, and you handed someone cash, the look that you got from the people behind the counter was the same as if you just handed them a dirty nappy. Um, and so I guess it's around getting those people to understand the safety of handling cash. Would that be correct?
2: Yeah, look, it's, it's the same as, you know, Again, you know, when you think about going back to the, the research, there was another research piece put out in, uh, in April by in the New England General Medicine and that you know, fundamentally, that, that was looking at the same sort of stuff. But the, 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 the conclusion you draw on that is cash is no different than any other surface. If you're, you know, you're riding an elevator or an escalator or you're opening a door or you're picking up a product off a supermarket shelf or anything like that, you're touching surfaces and cash is no different to that. So it's, it comes back to the simple message that's been said over and over again, which is you know, exercise with hygiene, be sensible, sanitize your hands, all the usual stuff. And there's no difference between cash and anything else once you get into that spot. Well, that's yeah, right.
1: Indeed, the World, World Health Organization, you know, along with a myriad of other institutions, all confirmed that cash carries no significance in relation to viral transmission. Yeah. Certainly none outside of what other services do. And, and uh, you take the usual safeguards, and as, uh, as Matt has explained, and um, everything should be all right.
0: Is there, is there much of a difference between the, the polymer notes that we use here in Australia and the and the paper notes that are used overseas? Not that I guess that's really relevant, but I'm just interested to know whether or not there's been any research done around that.
1: Um,
2: so I'm, I'm not aware of any research that specifically looked at that. Certainly the SIRO paper did use polymer notes specifically. Um, there is some research that looks at different types of services. So that you, you can say... It is different. Um, uh, paper notes would typically uh, be able to hold the virus a little bit better because of uh, the porous nature of the note compared to a poor one. Um But um, yeah, in terms of specifically looking at banknotes around the world, there's not a lot of evidence um, um, that really looks at it in a deep you know, in a deep sense.
0: Yep. Yeah. Do you, I mean, Jim, you alluded earlier back towards the beginning of the podcast towards a projected future showing sort of, you know, a diminution or a reduction in the in the use of cash moving forward. What does the future look like as far as cash is concerned? Because I guess we all have this, uh, you know, sort of sci-fi futuristic utopian vision of a, a cashless society. Is that likely to happen anytime soon? I,
1: think I don't. I don't think so. I think that, you know, what we're looking at and forecasting is around that 10% pre-COVID um, measure. Um, it's starting to now come back. You know, now that Victorians have been released, um, it's starting to, um, cash is starting to come back. Transactions are coming back in, in, uh, in what we're seeing. Um, I think the overseas experience, in particular Sweden, who, who went towards that cashless society, their experience has actually been to wind that back. Because they realised the um, the effect of the social harms against those sort are of, you know uh, in the older demographic and lower socioeconomic areas depending on cash and so I think cash is always going to be there there's always going to be a need for cash as a form of payment mm.
0: it It seems to me that with all of these things we have these wonderful ideas, but there's always that law of unintended consequences, you know we thought years ago that the smartest thing we could possibly do is move so much of our manufacturing offshore to places like china um, and then of course when something like the coronavirus hits and we can't get hold of anything because nothing's made here in australia anymore we realized perhaps that wasn't such a brilliant idea I can foresee exactly the same thing happening with cash. If there was a an interruption to our communications infrastructure or, you know, some sort of a major natural disaster like a, a fire or a solar flare where all of a sudden we couldn't get access to ETMs, cash is going to be a, a pretty important commodity in those environments.
1: Certainly. And I think yeah. that providing clarity of the store of wealth is a very important factor that's going missing here too. I mean, it wasn't so many years ago that, uh, you know... There was an the experience of people, um, you know, blowing out their credit cards and having all sorts of budget issues, particularly, you know, with credit uh, Christmas periods and all that sort of thing. Um, you know, really, do we want to go down that path of giving people cards that have lack like of control because they haven't no got cash? Um, which is another, you know, I suppose downside of moving to a purely um, electronic form of payment.
0: So you were going to say, Matt? Yeah, I was, I was, yeah, I was just going to pick up on something you said just then. Um,
2: yeah, the other aspect in terms of thinking about the future is you know, we're very good at looking at, for example, over in the IT space, the need for resilience and things like that. And I think there's certainly you know, um, a move towards what we would, know, you know, distributed systems, if you want to think of it that way, so that you don't have single points of failure in your systems. Now, thinking about the non cash payments infrastructure there's a handful of really sensitive breakpoints. And so, you know, the 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 media we see every couple of months about a network down, that's usually yeah, coming because there's been a Telstra outage or there's been a, a switch outage on one of the one of the key switches the process you know, multiple banks or things like that. And you know, you have one you know, you have one of those failure points and that knocks out, you know, twenty five percent of the payments infrastructure or more. And so so it's not difficult to invite you to a point where you know, whether it's from a cyber attack or some other issue, uh, that, that the entire payment infrastructure goes down. And so, so again, you know, I guess I'm certainly an advocate for you know, multiple forms of payments that have no touch point with one another, preferably. So cash being a really obvious one, um, you know, traditional card payments being one, uh, peer-to-peer type payments being another one, and there's others that are in the ecosystem. All of those things are good, and I support them because I'm, I'm a, a big advocate for choice. Uh, but, but it's important for all of them to be viable to make sure that um, we have a resilient payment system into the future. Yeah, and I think...
1: I think that so business continuity plan, I mean, it's essential that cash be there. I mean, as you say, if the IP network goes down as it did, in eastern Victoria, with the bushfires, it was a classic example. I mean, we were we were taking cash in there, you know, under police guidance, etc., make sure it was safe because of that very reason. Because the systems were down, people, as Matt said earlier, couldn't get petrol, they couldn't buy groceries, they couldn't buy food. Um, you know, so we had to stand up our crisis management plan uh, in order to assist people to actually have cash as a form of payment.
0: Yeah, and and I think. You know, just to sort of bring this to a bit of a conclusion, one of the things that people often tend to forget about, but there has been a lot of discussion of of late around things like, um, you know, China getting involved in Australia's 5G network. And one of the reasons the government chose to not engage in that is because that would give a non-state or another state actor a, a certain level of control over our communications infrastructure that... At some point in the future, whilst there may not be a threat now, you know, threat equals means and intent, and intent can change at any point in time. Uh, And had China sometime in the future, 50, 100 years, for whatever reason, decided, okay, well, we're going to turn off that 5G network, all of a sudden we're going to be left with nothing but the option for cash, because none of the FPOS systems, none of the ATM systems, none of the electronic banking systems would have worked. So, you know, the, the cyber security piece and the cyber terrorism piece, not that China's got anything to do with that, but the cyber terrorism piece that you mentioned earlier is still a very important factor in all of this. Yeah, 100%. Yeah,
2: yeah I, I, I think you're exactly right.
0: Yeah. So I guess just to finish up then, uh, look, thank you both for your time. The, the, the really important thing here is for a lot of the people in the retail industry and other associated markets who are still using you know, cash whether, for, for whatever the payment system be, is to really sort of understand that despite the risks of COVID and all the rest of it, cash is still a safe medium. Or, or or at least it's no less safe than anything else. As you mentioned, Matt, you know, there's a million other surfaces that we touch and Jim's alluded to, to similar sorts of things. So it's not a case of throwing the baby out with the bathwater. We can still uh, still safely use cash and stu- should still safely be using cash for all those areas that, that rely on it, as we said, the elderly demographics, the charities. And that's the other thing. You know, cash is really important for charities. There's a huge percentage of charitable donations that are carried out using cash every single day. But uh, any any last closing thoughts, guys, before we finish up?
1: Um, look, I, I would uh, fully concur with that. I've been mean, a classic example of the Royal Children's Hospital appeal, which no doubt would have suffered as a result of COVID-19
0: yep. and
1: the restrictions. And, um, you know, and that, as we all know, you know, the firefighting authorities and that sort of thing, standing on the street corners, always cash uh, coming out the car window. That type of thing. So, yeah, fully concur with those comments. Look, well, yep. anybody was interested in any further information, i just encourage them. We have a website which has a lot of information around uh, cash and COVID and about the future of cash in Australia in particular, and um, that website is AU. So.
0: Excellent. And Matt, any of the uh, any places that people can find some of the research that you were pointing towards?
2: Yeah, look, um, uh, the, the, well, the, the research itself is publicly available um, online and I and, and, uh, can certainly provide you with some links for that. that can drop on the ASIA website um, uh, when the podcast is available. Um, and then I'd also point you to, you know, we're, we're part of a, as is Amica, part of a, an industry, um, an informal industry group that's looking at how we can um, be supporting cash into the future. Um, there's a website uh, that's associated with that called uh, Cash Welcome, um, and so, so certainly you have a look on that website,
0: and there's more information there as well. Yeah, fantastic. All right, well, look, gentlemen, thank you very much both for your time today. It's been fantastic having you on the podcast. Uh, for anyone who's been interested in this podcast, there's a whole series of them in the ASL Security Insider series. You can get them via iTunes, Spotify, Blurberry, Google Play, and all the other great places that you find podcasts. Obviously, if you have any questions, go to uh, either the Linfox Fox Guard site there or Prosecure. You'll find more information there, and we look forward to joining you on the next podcast.